Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Bob McClure, co-founder of McClure's Pickles, a specialty pickle brand with raving fans throughout the U.S. Bob grew up making pickles in his boyhood using a recipe from his great-grandmother before becoming a pickle pack and proprietor of goodness that now has a national reputation. But he didn't think the pickle industry was where he'd land as an adult. In fact, after leaving Michigan for New York, Bob was an actor living in Brooklyn with his wife Natalie and their son. He has performed in commercials for brands that include Visa, the NFL, Verizon, Time Warner, Staples, Quiznos, and he's appeared in films like Neil Jordan's The Brave One with Jodie Foster and The Brass Teapot. His work can also be seen on The Berg and All's Fair. These days, he's back in Detroit with his expanding family, helping grow the family business each day at McClure's World Headquarters, where he oversees business administration, key account management, and brand development. He still does audition every day for his kids, who he says are his toughest reviewers. Here's Bob's take on how acting prepared him for the pickle business. So it really prepared me for a job in selling. You know, most of the time when I'm going out to try to sell these products to large retailers, even today, 13 years later, um, there's a lot of no's and you have to have such a dedication and perseverance um, when you're going up against um, all the all the no's that you hear um, to go ahead and give it another shot um, and to really double down on those who, who believed in you in the first place um, that's that's really has prepared me for um, for this this role. We'll hear more from Bob McClure, co-founder of McClure's Pickles, and his insights into building a family business. We're talking business now with Bob McClure, the co-founder of McClure's Pickles. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Bob talks with us about his entrepreneurial journey as a pickle packing proprietor and what it's like working in a family business. Welcome, Bob. Thanks for having me, Kelly. I appreciate it. This just wasn't some idea that you and your brother woke up some morning and said, hey, we need to go into the pickle business. You actually grew up with pickles as a kid. You're from Michigan, which I learned is one of the largest producers of pickles in the U.S. And so this has really been a lifelong journey. Tell us about that. Interestingly enough, my parents and grandparents had a summertime hobby of making pickles. And we got this recipe from my great-grandmother. We would go down to a, a local produce terminal called Eastern Market and grab fresh produce, bring it back to our house in the summer, and make pickles just like my great-grandmother and grandparents did and we'd have friends and family that would come over and help us out and they loved gathering and doing this activity um, despite how laborious it was and especially as kids growing up that's the last thing you want to be doing on a nice summer day but it really created um, a unique family tradition that years later we would look back on and say wow what an experience that we got to have with our parents family and friends 
Um, and I do think that's one of the notable characteristics that people really um, are attracted to in our brand when they start to explore it. Um, but you're right. Both my brother and I did not have a business background, um, nor was this a business growing up. Um, we are we are the accidental entrepreneurs. We both went into different careers um, uh, and found a pathway to business through something that we felt was, um, you know, very, um, very connected to who we are and our essence as, as people and, and our belief system and our values and, 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 and how, how connected to food that was. So after, you know, it's been 13 years now that we started McClure's, but yes, it's been a lifelong journey and, um, it's a family business and, and we're here trying to spread the good word. You in particular had gone on a very divergent path. You had gone off to New York, was it, and had started making a name for yourself in uh, commercials and in film, and and yet you gave all that up and decided to come back and carry on the family tradition. Yeah, so I, I was out in New York City for uh, a little over 10 years, and I was working for uh, on camera as an as a actor for brands, and um, I absolutely loved it because I got to explore my my humorous side and selling other brands for commercials. But the one thing about acting um, that they usually don't tell you about is that you hear no more than you hear yes. So it really prepared me for a job in selling. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time when I'm going out to try to sell these products to large retailers, even today, 13 years later, um, there's a lot of no's and you have to have such a dedication and perseverance when you're going up against all the no's that you hear, um, to go ahead and give it another shot um, and to really double down on those who believed in you in the first place, that's really has prepared me for um, for this, this role. And of course, my brother, he was uh, a musician, a classical guitarist, and got his PhD in physiology. So he has this whole science and mathematical and process-oriented background that has, you know, well suited him for growing the operations and filling the demand here at McClure's, which supplies our products globally now. Yeah, so both of you are able to apply the things that you learned outside of the industry to what you're doing today. And let's talk about that for a minute. Growing up, making pickles in the kitchen as a family tradition is one thing, but actually making it a business, especially one that is now carried by major retailers like Whole Foods and Target and some of the others, you know, there, there's not a lot of room for some of the mistakes that might have gotten made in the kitchen. So so how did you go when you decided to get back into the business? How did you go from making it this family tradition into a, an actual business? How did you even approach that? Yeah, so those are, those are great questions, you know, and, and we again, had no, had no background, had no experience, and kind of, we're just starting from, from the ground floor. Um, thankfully, we grew up, my parents instilled a thirst for knowledge for us, you know, and we, we just wanted to absorb every, everything we could as quickly as possible and do it as excellently as possible. So being in New York, there are a lot of resources there for education. Um, and in Michigan, we had a lot of um, you know, farmers markets and access to great talent, uh, and from and from a labor pool perspective, as well as an um, agricultural perspective. So we had some you know things going into it that allowed us to have an easier start than in an area that we might not be able to. We knew we had a great recipe. That's something that people liked. Um, so we were literally kind of making it in church kitchens and senior kitchens to kind of test out the market. 
um, much like large companies or even companies like ourselves do now, like basically R&D. Mm-hmm. So we were making small batches like we did when we were growing up and getting it into um, friends and families in their respective areas that we lived in and tasting it. And um, we went to retailers, very small retailers, to say, hey, do you like this? Do you think your consumers would like it? Um, we'll give you a free jar to sample it out if you buy a case um, and let us know how it goes. And that helped really kind of set the the infrastructure and the foundation for a premium product. Uh, there wasn't really too much premium pickles uh, at that time, 13 years ago, compared to now. Everything was, was very commodity-driven. Um, and dominated by some large, larger brands, but we knew we couldn't compete that way. It just cost us too much money to make our product at the time. So we had to focus in in retail establishments that had a built-in consumer who wasn't afraid to uh, purchase a higher cost item because they felt that they were getting value out of what they were paying for. Um, soon after that, I had a, a friend who was in the Columbia Graduate School MBA program and said, hey, we do this consulting thing for small businesses. Would you, would you be interested in applying um, and learning a little bit more about how your business actually operates? And I said, yeah, you bet. I have no clue what I'm doing, so let's, let's figure it out. Maybe we can be even more successful if we had some, some information. So with, with that, I was able to work directly for two semesters with MBA students to establish a break-even analysis on our financials and understand how much our product cost, how much we needed to make, and how much we needed to sell it for um, to, to turn it into a legitimate business. And we, we used that for years um, before we had any finance team members uh, at McClure's. We used that as our rudder mm-hmm. on the ship to guide us where we needed to go um, as we grew the business. Um, so it's, it's, I would say... Overall, like you have to have a key desire to get messy and get involved in your business. If that's not you, then you have to find somebody who is interested in doing that. And you know, most often you you don't get that opportunity as an entrepreneur who is bootstrapping your company from the ground up. Like you have to roll up the sleeves and you have to get involved in it. Yeah, there's no question. I think one of the key critical times in a business, though, is when do you stop rolling up your sleeves or at least cut way back on it once your business reaches a certain point and let others that you hire take over in order to grow the business even more? Where did that point come for you? Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question of learning to um, become adept at seeing the forest from the trees. Um, there's always, I'd say, an ongoing process. You know, you're always going to be pulled back in and get on the ground level because um, you're. It's, it's important that you you find a way to balance that, right? Because you don't want to overstep coming in, you know, and and you know managing everything because it it doesn't allow you to empower people to actually succeed and do their jobs. Um, but you want to dive in to know what they're doing and how well they're doing so that you can. Um, intelligently, you know, help them when they need it and also reward what I call the frontline workers because they're really doing everything. And then being able to step back and really focus on the strategy of where your company is going for the next one, three, five, seven, nine years out, like you have to be able to see that and know kind of where, where, where are you going? And if you don't have that plan, um, then you really 
you really don't know where to begin. For you guys, when did that happen? Yeah, I would say like fairly, you know, thankfully that we had, you know, my brother and I, right? So we were able to, you know, um, dole out those responsibilities fairly effectively early on. And I would say within, within about probably by year six, we were really having a, a really great team in place that could help us operationally. Um, and then on the administrative side, um, we were having some core processes put in place that helped um, get our hands around the business from finance to operations to sales and marketing. Now, it's still a work in progress, and we're, we're always changing things because there's always somewhere else we can improve. Um, but by year six, we were really having a kind of an understanding of what those processes looked like and how to best utilize them so that our team can maximize um, the resources that we were providing for them. How did winning accounts like Whole Foods and Target change your business? You know, so often, I guess some of the advice you get as an entrepreneur is be careful what you wish for. Because so often, a, a smaller business, often a family business like yours, will be really gunning for the big account. And then they get it and they can't keep up with manufacturing or the margins are so low or the payment terms are so extended that it ends up really hurting the business. So how did how did you manage to navigate that as you started to play with the big boys, I guess you'd say? Yeah. Um, so we still have to, we still juggle that. You know, there are, there are many accounts that we're not in. There are some accounts that we're in that, you know, come on very quickly and want, want it at, you know, rock bottom prices. And we have to juggle whether we're going to accept the business, take it, or is it going to be sustainable? Because you certainly don't want the tail wagging the dog where you're selling something that's not helping you grow your, grow your organization or it's at the expense of really great you know, customers who've been with you from the beginning that are helping you drive your business forward. Um, I would say data is key you know, in analyzing it. I'm not saying you need like a fancy financial system, but you need to have a way of measuring stuff, right? And if you don't have... If you don't have a way of measuring things, it might as well not exist. Um, so whatever that, that measurement is, whether that's margin, um, profitability, ease of doing business can be a great measurement because um, there are some customers who, who may make you a lot of money but who are um, not very um, fun to deal with and that makes your business even more complicated. You've got to have a measurement of understanding like what is it you're there to do and how do you help your customers do business and what is what are the key things that you're measuring to help you grow your business? Um, yeah, those well, are things. That if you don't have measurements, you're not going to be um, you're not going to be able to really understand um, what customers you need to to have on. Sometimes the you know the best customers are the ones you say no to. Exactly. Data data means everything. You've got to be able to measure what you're doing in order to know whether you're getting the result that you want. Let's talk about the pickle industry itself. How has the market for pickled products changed over the last 12 or 13 years? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So it's a fairly stable category. You know, pickles have been around for hundreds of years um, and decades in grocery stores. Um, they're typically dominated by some very large brands that are in the you know conventional grocery sets. And then over time, I'd say when we started 13 years ago, we were one of the first kind of specialty pickles in the marketplace. Um, and then we started seeing more and more regional pickle companies uh, come up, which is great because that means that there's a consumer interest in better quality, higher end, more artisanal, specialty focused pickles. So it's growing the category and you're not such a, um, a lone entity at, at that point going up against the big, 
the big players. Um, so it's it's certainly changed. There's more shoppers looking for that uh, that type of nuanced product in terms of flavor and story. Um, it also has gotten you know more crowded. So we're mm-hmm. competing also on a on a on a on a more crowded landscape. You know I'm I'm glad that we started our business 13 years ago um, because we got in on the ground floor. We proved ourselves um, that we could sell a a higher priced pickle, but also provide a great quality experience for the shopper and have it resonate and stick with them. Um, and that it's, it's hopefully helped pave the way for other, other companies to be able to come in and grow the entire category as a whole. Mm-hmm. So a more sophisticated market these days, a more crowded market these days. You mentioned that when you first started, you had, I guess what you could call brand advocates that were at fairs and in your, your hometown and different places that actually went out and, and spread the, the good news about your pick, pickles. But as you have grown, how have you uh, changed your marketing? Yeah, so we still, uh, you know, just to go back to your your first point, we still do a lot of that. Every weekend we are at a farmer's market, um, and we have uh, an employee that's down there selling to people um, here in, in, in Detroit, um, and we, we consider that a, a key aspect uh, and differentiator, right? We, we have someone who can get immediate feedback from shoppers, um, understand what they like about the product and how we can then change or iterate uh, down the road. Um, Getting that outside of Detroit, you know, that becomes challenging, right? We've got to find a way that still resonates with a consumer that's not our local shopper. So how do we be, quote, unquote, local to uh, someone in California? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we do a lot of demos. Um, when we're talking about our story, we're talking about, you know, our great-grandmother Lala and the high-quality fresh ingredients that we put in a jar. Everybody can get behind that, whether we're not local to their, you know, respective community or not. Um, people can get behind quality and story and family values that we feel resonate with them. Um, we do a lot of social media, and we do it in a way, I think, that, you know, is authentic, right? Because you can, you can have an agency create a bunch of ads, and, it, and you pay a lot of money, and it looks fantastic, but that doesn't necessarily translate into more sales, more velocity, anything like that. Like you have, the, the, the consumer today, their BS meter is so sensitive. Definitely. And, and if you, if you like, if you mess with that, you know, at, at any time, they will be turned off from your brand and your experience, um, like forever. It's it, You can only, you, you can't, can't get them back twice, right? You can only get them, you only have one opportunity. Yeah, and I think a good example of what you're talking about, out on your website, you have a little video, it's just about five minutes, but your entire family's involved in it, and we get to meet them all, and after five minutes, you feel like you've been friends with your family for years, not five minutes, but for actually years, and and you see the chemistry between you, and it all seems very authentic and very natural, so uh, that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Exactly, it ha- and it has to be real, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't fake that, or or else. And if it if it is faked, you know, then a consumer finds out. Like the the the, the word of mouth today and the availability of that can sink a brand overnight. You know, your reputation it takes a lifetime to build and an instant to destroy. 
Oh, we've all seen that too. It's so true. You are a family business. Uh, your mom and dad are involved. Uh, you and your brother are involved. There's some other family members involved. I think you yep. might have an aunt yep. involved, if yeah. I remember right. Uh, my, well, my wife is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, We moved back from New York, so she's been here for six plus years. Um, and then we have some lifelong friends that we've grown up with who have come to, to work with us. And I'd say most you know, most of our team members here have been here for five plus years. So we have a very low turnover rate. Um, people enjoy working and creating something that they that they believe in. Yeah. So how do you guys manage to stay in your own lane, so to speak, so that you can still have Thanksgiving dinner together? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. There are challenges, obviously, with, with a family business, right? And, um, and I would imagine those challenges, even if it wasn't, family business, right? You have to, you have to go back to a goal, right? And a vision and a mission. And it's like, that is the single focus that if you all agree on that and what you stand for, your values that you can, um, understand what they mean in terms of behaviors, you can always go back to that when things go like sideways, when you're arguing about a new product or an R and D or, you know, are we selling this customer, right? You could always go back to the mission and the vision and the values that you stand for and say, look, we agreed on this. This is what it means. Does it fit within these? And if it does, then the direction is clear, right? Take your egos out of it. Put those aside. It may not be the decision you wanted, but it's the decision that we have agreed to based on these kind of core fundamental um, ideas that we've set as the company. Without that, you are you don't have a map. You don't have a way to do that. And then it becomes a downward spiral of, you know, infighting and then it just doesn't, doesn't work. It's not effective for the company. Yeah. You lose sight of what brought you together to begin with. Exactly. So tell me about what keeps you inspired. What keeps you getting up every morning, going into uh, the office and doing what you do day in and day out? What drives you? So I, I personally love challenges, right? And the while they are extremely hard sometimes, and like every entrepreneur, every business owner is going to, if they haven't yet, um, had a moment where they're just like, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting this much stress on me and my family and signing personal guarantees? Um, like you look past me and say, okay, I can solve this. And it, it may not be perfect, but I can do this and I can get it better and I can keep working at it. And that drives me um, day in and day out because I, I want that same um, passion and um, interest in um, never giving up and trying to go to, to my three kids um, and have them just explore the universe that nothing is impossible um, when you try and you, you try new things and you work together to solve it. Yeah, absolutely. Business owners who are listening today, what do you think business owners in 2019 should be talking about, uh, about their businesses? What, what are some of the heavy things they should be talking about? So some, some of the, well, I would talk, um, and it's interesting you mentioned what they should talk about. I would think business owners need to listen more, right? Mm. And they need to, they need to listen more, um, to their teams, um, their people that, have um, allowed them to to grow into what they have become, or if they are new, the 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 listening skill. You know, most entrepreneurs come out with an idea, and they have this, and they want to they want to impress it upon the world, right? And I think listening 
you know, is a kind of a lost skill. We want to push, push, push on, on this. And um, listening, especially inside your organization, is a key aspect that I think can go be short-sighted because other measurements are much easier to control, like sales, like revenue, like margin, profit. Those are things. It's like the soft skills that entrepreneurs sometimes overlook. Um, I think can, if they're not paying attention to them these days, it will get them in trouble because they will have people um, not there to help them grow their organization. At the end of the day, you're you're building people. You're not building a business. You know, you're you're building those individuals to grow your company. Absolutely. And you know, you're onto something there with the listening. Sometimes the answers you need are just right there under your nose, but you're so busy uh, looking in the wrong places that you don't even hear the conversation that's going on right around you that may have the answers that you need. So, so great advice there. And where can our listeners find McClure's Pickles and learn more about your brand? Sure. Yeah. So McClure's.com, M-C-C-L-U-R-E-S.com is a great place to at least go and check what we have to offer. Um, if you if you want to buy it online, great. It also gets you into our story and our, um, our, our culture. Amazon has product that we can ship right to your door. Um, if you're grocery shopping, you can find us in Kroger. You can find us in Whole Foods. Uh, you can find us in many Walmarts throughout the country as well. So lots of places to find the product and do go out and, and check out their website, McClure'sPickles.com, because it's a great story and the video is, is just a treat. So thank you so much, Bob. Wish you the best. Thank you. I appreciate it again. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to catch every broadcast of Talking Business Now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.